Welcome, and thank you for joining Pete's Podcast, episode number seven, at Denali National Park. We are at 14,000 feet above sea level. We'll call that for the rest of this podcast, Camp 14. It's our second, or our first full day, second day here. Last night was comfortable, but you could tell definitely 10 degrees colder than at night than uh, our previous camp down at 11,000 feet. Interestingly enough, uh, the calculation is approximately 3 degrees lower for every 1,000 feet you go up. So... We're about 10 degrees cooler here at day and night than we were at Camp 11. So, as we saw in previous podcasts, which you've hopefully been listening to or you can go back to and catch up, uh, the clouds are moving in and out of here, but we're getting just fabulous weather. I mean, it's quite incredible. Right now, I'm facing the headwall which goes straight up out of camp. We'll be on the headwall tomorrow. It could take us a couple hours to get up the whole thing. The first half to three quarters is uh, on rope for safety purposes. Then there's a fixed line for the last third where we're at about a 50-degree angle. Now, 50 degrees doesn't sound like much, but if you go get a protractor out of your kid's school bag and put a piece of paper at 50 degrees at that protractor's on a table, you'll see that it is quite steep. And I'll tell you, when you're on a glacier, it's even steeper. Today is, as you've been following... It's day, the altitude, I tell you, it gets a little crazy. But it's day eight of our expedition, day 12 of my expedition leaving uh, Colorado. So on day eight here on the glacier, it is incredible. Camp 14 has, is the most populated camp we've been to so far. There might be over a dozen nationalities represented from all over the world. We have an American flag with a peace symbol uh, flying over our tent proudly. And next to our tent, it's pretty cool, we have five women veterans representing a veteran climb from Colorado. They're real cool. And uh, they're going to make it, uh, they're pushed to high camp tomorrow. And then we also have uh, two French-Canadian brothers that left this morning for high camp. So everybody's got a great story here. It's uh, it's like kind of go, like going back to college. Your first year at college uh, where you get to meet all these new people. Well, that's kind of what 14 camp is. We're meeting all kinds of people, and uh, it's fun. 
everybody has, well, most all people have a, just a adventuresome attitude. They're ready for the next part of their expedition. This is also a camp where the National Park Service has a big presence. Outside of camp, uh, maybe a hundred yards, there's a small trail. There's a sign in front of the trail giving details on weather, on like kind of a chalkboard kind of deal. And uh, I've heard that it's not really appropriate to go to the Park Service camp unless there's a, a need because they're so busy. So I respect that and have not ventured over there, but uh, they have several tents and that's where they do all their home base activities for mountain safety uh, and uh, patrolling the area. They check the tags on caches, they check climbing permits, uh, they check, make sure everybody's providing a proper facility for their waste. So they're the all-around good guys up here. Uh, so 14 camp. What else can I tell you? A big cloud's moving in. I'm surrounded by these monster cliffs all around me. Just towering giants. Last night was quite an exceptional night by any standard. We were just finishing dinner, the famous Mountain Trip Pizza dinner, and uh, we had been watching these fellows, three people, uh, climb the Messner Coulard. The Messner Coulard, named after Reinhold Messner, the world-renowned famous uh, climber, Italian climber, and he did this route decades ago. And it, from the head wall, if you're facing the head wall, it's uh, about, well, uh, several shoots to the right, clockwise. And it is steep and long and puts you right on the top of the football field. So you basically skip high camp and go right to the summit. Now, these three fellows just nailed it. Skinny skied or, uh, excuse me, skinned up the chute all day, and then we believe they tagged the summit. And then after supper, around 8.30, skied down. I just can't imagine the energy it must have taken. It looked beautiful. Of course, they had to make a couple stops because you're skiing from 20,000 feet above sea level down to 14,000. Now, back home in Colorado, skiing at 11, 12,000 in powder can get me winded very easily. These guys are skiing huh, a mile higher plus. And uh, they were some carving some turns. Apparently, one of our guides talked to him afterwards, and they said it was a crusty, uh, windblown surface. It wasn't uh, powder. So anybody who's a skier knows that that's 
pretty dangerous. You know, you can catch an edge, and if you caught an edge on this slope, you wouldn't have much to slow you down. These guys skied unroped, so they must have been a private trip. And uh, I'm sure they were a private trip, because they came blasting through uh, the uh, 14 camp uh, like rock stars. And we all gave them a standing ovation as they came through. It was like something out of a movie. Pretty cool, to say the least. Anyhow, let's get on to uh, some of the more tactical things that occurred today. One of the most important aspects of what we have ahead of us is the uh, trail along fixed line and uh, uh, protection. So basically, these are lines that Forest Service and other guide companies, our guide company, have put in this year and over the years. They can last as long as the the protection lasts. You know, some could last several years. Protection is a a tie into the glacier or into rock with a sling, a webbing or rope sling that comes out and you can clip onto it. Or there's a fixed rope attached to it that runs through it. So today we went through all the exercises with potential and practicing potential hazards that can occur when traveling along a protected route. And there are many. You know, you have to clip and unclip at every protection point. And this doesn't sound like much, but at elevation, everything gets a little bit more difficult. So right now, you know, we're nearly three miles above sea level. But tomorrow, we'll be traveling three plus miles above sea level. And your judgment can be less uh, less clear. Your physical abilities can be dulled slightly. So it just takes a lot of attention, a lot of uh, concentration. Concentration would be the best word. And I don't care how good you are, anybody can make a mistake. So we're only as strong as the weakest link on our team, and this is a very true statement up here. We'll be going on three ropes. On one rope, there'll be a guide and client, and on the other two ropes, there'll be two clients and a guide. So the ratio is excellent. The less, the smaller the ratio, the better it is. Uh, less uh, potential error. So we have a, a very elite, strong setup going up. Uh, I think we'll be, we'll be in very good shape. Uh, the training, uh, I'll be delicate with this, in, in comparison to other trainings I've been uh, involved with, was excellent. Um, our lead guide is one of the strongest I've met. Uh, right up there with in the top five of the climbers in the last 40 years that I've had the honor of climbing with. Uh, we'll see tomorrow if this holds up, but I suspect uh, it'll be a big gold star on uh, performance. 
you really feel the the attitude shift up here at Camp 14 because uh, where we're heading, uh, there is not room for error. Error can be deadly, and deadly is not good. So we practice for several hours, uh, clipping, unclipping. There are certain calls, you know, uh, anchor, uh, climbing, on belay, off belay, uh, that you have to communicate with your other climbers. There's no chit-chatting. And there's no headsets. Uh, it gets serious when we start up tomorrow morning. The weather forecast looks pretty good. Um, you know, of course, it's going to be snowing or clouds in and out. Right now, it just started to snow, and it's a it's a very dry snow. It is. It's gorgeous. Very. Uh, light flakes and it's falling just perfectly straight down with no wind so as climbers we really like no wind the snow no big deal wind is a big deal that can change your climbing environment very very quickly um, so in preparation We've already split up the team gear that we'll cache. Uh, this is a process in itself. So we are going to cache at 16,000 feet approximately, and we will return back to Camp 14. So what we leave up there will be only items that will be carried and will stay at Camp 17. For instance, uh, team food, fuel, uh, my summit jacket, a big puffy jacket, uh, let's see, oh, hand warmers, some puffy pants, so some extreme cold weather gear, basically. And we put these into cache bags, a waterproof bag that will be placed in the cache hole. Everybody makes their own, has their own bag that they'll put in there, and we will pick up in a couple days on the way to high camp. It's pretty interesting. Right now, I'm looking at the headwall, and actually, there's a team doing training on that wall. I haven't seen much of that before, but that's a pretty good training spot. You know, they can get some realistic uh, uh, on-slope training. It's 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. So probably a couple ropes of people up there uh, working and practicing. We left a line in camp just... Uh, adjacent to our tents where you could actually go over there and practice any time today as uh, as need be. So that's kind of cool. A couple people that haven't been up here before. I took that opportunity to 
uh, go to school. One other fun thing happened last night. Uh, we met these two people from Washington, and they uh, summited early. They had planned uh, for 23 days, so they had a whole bunch of extra gear. So we lucked out and got some extra coffee. We got some extra goat cheese with blueberry, uh, like a surrounding layer of blueberry. It tasted delicious. It's funny. There's such a good karma going on here. As people leave, you know, in any other place, people might put it out for sale or, you know, charge. You know, I'm guessing this guy had maybe $500 worth of uh, food and fuel and supplies. And uh, he just went around in a sled and gave it all away. Keep the good karma flowing. That's kind of how it is up here, you know. People just are very giving and uh, they're they're just feel blessed to be up here. It's very spiritual. I mean, for for me to be up here, uh, you know, the sacrifice that family makes to allow me to be here. Uh, we did a big fundraiser to help kids at risk and uh, raised so far over $2,500 for kids at risk before the climb, and I hope to double that uh, while I'm climbing and when I return for kids at risk in the Midwest. So a lot of good things we're trying to make happen as a, as a part of this Denali expedition. And a lot of thanks to our listeners for uh, your support. Please refer our Peaks podcast to your friends. I know um, my climbing group, uh, the Germans, the Polish, and our American colleagues are going to be listening in to our episodes. A big shout out to them for all their uh, positive vibe over the uh, expedition so far. We just uh, would love to have you refer us and subscribe to Peaks Podcast. Uh, Once again, this is Episode 7. Please feel free to listen to any of our earlier podcasts so you can get the continuity of what's going on here in in a big mountain expedition. And, of course, there's going to be future episodes that uh, will allow you to know uh, how successful this whole process has been. Whether we make the summit or not, uh, it's been one great journey. And uh, for me, it's all about the journey, the preparation, the love that you find up here in the mountains. Anyhow, thanks again for joining us. Peaks Podcast, over and out. Have a great day.